people of Earth, if you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm a nerd It was, but you were in Comic Con and I was up here yeah. seething with anger. That's oh uh, yes, wow, yeah. yeah. It would not reflected in your Facebook posts at all, no. or the passive aggressive emails or anything. Um, so, uh, <laughs> you know, have to go back and, and look I, at those and, emails. And I don't want to alarm you, but uh, I did. Uh, I, I caught a Charmander in your bathroom. So you did, yes. So uh, wow. Um, Is so there blood? I no, <laughs> not from the Charmander. Okay. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, I've been checked out. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> there we go. Hi, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are podcasting on Wednesday, August 10th, around 7 p.m. Pacific time. So, once again, we are not responsible for any news that happened probably after about 6.30 p.m. tonight in the world of nerditry. Uh, we do... Are we calling it nerdistry now? Oh, I, I try. I'm starting to try to start that. If we're going to do this, I, I keep a glossary of our terms. Okay. Well, I, no, I, I tweet out that way. I say, you know, enjoy the general nerdistry. Okay. So that's uh, general nerdistry. Do you spell that for just for N E R D I T R Y? Okay. Good. Hashtag nerdistry. Uh, it's not really catching on, but I've tried it. I've tried it a few times. <laughs> we'll anyway, uh, we, we'll try. Uh, and we are podcasting from the Brett Cave, uh, and of course across from me, uh, hosting physically and literally here tonight, Rick Brett Snyder. That's right, podcast producer extraordinaire. I should also mention we have a sponsor tonight, which is uh, Aces Weekly. David Lloyd, the creator of co-creator of uh, V for Vendetta, has had this online web comic uh, web series. Uh, site for online comics that we have talked about in the past, and they are officially sponsoring us from uh, for a while now. So excited to have David on board, and thank you, David, for all the joy you have given us as comics readers over the years. We have, uh, did you not tell me, Rick, uh, that we have a special guest tonight? We do. Yes. It's somebody, it's someone from your past. I feel like we're playing... Um, what's whose line is the name? Not, not not what's line? line? What's, what, what's, what's my line? What's my line? Or uh, 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 yeah, this is your life. This is your life, Ralph Edwards. Yeah. Yes. So it's someone you used to know in a previous life. You've worked with him before, and he left what you after it was a pregnancy-related. Uh, uh, no, leaving. no, don't say it that way. But anyway, yes, yeah. So come on out, Nate Costa. Nate, oh, listen up, fanboy. Nate Costa. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And uh, actually, so we should also say, if you're listening to us, if you found us, please, on iTunes. or And I realize I've been giving short shrift to this, that we are also on Google Play. Is that right? Android? We have a link? We are on Google. Uh, so sure. we're at the Google Store. Uh, I don't know how that works. I don't have an Android. So... 
but we are available on both iTunes and and the Google service. Last I checked, man, I feel like I'm 80 trying to explain that. And we're on the Google service. I don't know what it how it works <laughs> or what it does, but the Google machine. But you we're there on the Google there. machine. Uh, you can also find us on FanboyPlanet.com. Each and every podcast has its own page. And if you find us on one of those other services, please rate us, review us, tell your friends, and subscribe because that's how we grow in eminence and power. Uh, and you can find us at FanboyPlanet.com, where of course everything we talk about on this podcast, if there's something that uh, you wish to purchase for yourself and you cannot find it at your tangible local... Tangible commodities. T- okay, I like that phrase too. If there's a tangible commodity we talk about and you can't find it at your local brick-and-mortar store, we do have handy-dandy Amazon links. As well, if you'd like to help support Fanboy Planet in its ongoing effort to be moderately entertaining once a week about comics, movies, and TV news, you can please donate money at PayPal. Uh, sorry, to PayPal at editor at fanboyplanet.com, which is also the address you can use if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, or criticism of what we do. If we say something that we don't know the answer to and you're shouting at your at your listening device that you know, write in and tell us. Or leave a message on our Facebook page, fanboyplanet.com, or tweet us at fanboyplanet. I think you can also Instagram us too, but I don't. I still don't understand how Instagram works as a text. You're the only one who uses. I don't. Uh, use yeah, it. no, no, I, I, no. I know when I say us, it's the royal. It's the royal we. Um, yeah, uh, the <laughs> multi psychotic what, us. I, I am legion. Uh, so, and, and speaking of, of being, no, I, that's a horrible segue. We do have another special guest tonight. We, we have, do. We have comics news. We have movie news. We have TV news. But we're still in this kind of winding down from Comic Con, and one of the coolest things that I think I saw at Comic-Con this year, and I mean this sincerely because I know he's listening, and it, but it really is sincere, is right before Comic-Con, there was a fan, I guess there was a trailer for a fan movie based on Futurama called Fanorama. And everything from this company that's Cinema Relics is like like in-camera practical effects, including, including it's a live-action version of Futurama with audio-animatronic masks and and the miniatures are real. Everything is a tangible commodity, if you will. And so, um, <laughs> uh, one of the of the members who is described as, I believe, it, it, and he can correct me, uh, it was scapegoat uh, writer and actor. And I think I'm missing one of his titles on the website. But uh, it's a highly paying position. A lot <laughs> apparently, of scapegoat. There's a lot. You know. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. A lot of need for that. So uh, we're very excited to have Andy Klimsack from Cinema Relics on tonight to talk about the fan film. Andy, are you there? I am here. Thank I felt, you so much. I, I wish I had I a mean, re- I mean, book, Nate but... Costa. <laughs> is that the proper greeting for you? Sh- I, I see. I have, I'm sorry. I... No. Among our tribe. I really uh. appreciate that you were actually listening to what I was saying, though. That's kind. That's, that, that's more than I get trying. from Nate. Uh, so, um, all right. And you know, it was Cinema Relics. And uh, once again, thank you for coming on tonight and talking about this. So what, what is the missing title I had? You're a scapegoat, writer, and actor. I have no idea. I put uh, so much random stuff on that website. <laughs> I, I can't even guess what what nonsensical thing I put as well. Scapegoat, blood donor. Uh, oh, is that how it was funded? Okay. Yeah. Because that looks like an expensive film. Um, and so let's talk about that. I, I put the trailer up on Fanboy Planet today. And I, I watched it, it. It had gone the rounds a few weeks ago. And it was kind of one of those, oh, I, I, I felt like I'd missed the window. But when I realized that you were going to be able to come on tonight, it's like, oh, I better make sure that people can see it. Um, and so I've, I've watched it several times and just been blown away every time by it. Now, is there a full-length film coming? 
It's well, it's not going to be full length or I mean, a half in an the hour. Sense of it's not like uh, yeah, it's not going to be like uh, like two hours or something like that. It's going to be probably more around yeah, less a little less than a half hour is what is scheduled to go out. I'm I'm told the last time I spoke to director Dan, he was saying uh, mid September now. So we'll, we'll see closer than I thought. Wow. So let's talk a little bit about your involvement. What Cinema Relics does and and your involvement because they aren't just there for the the fan film um, is described as kind of making movies sort of the old fashioned way. Is that well? Accurate? That's yeah. That, that's what we're pushing. Is that uh, my uh, the director Dan, who is pretty much the head of the whole thing, and the rest of us are huge aficionados of practical effects and. There are just uh, it seems like that the number of people who are doing it now, it's it's they're dwindling. I mean, there's all kinds of important skills that are just vanishing from Hollywood and they're all just getting replaced with CGI. And there's something definitely to doing practical effects that makes things pretty special, we think. Yeah. I mean, wasn't that why Rick Baker announced his retirement last year? Was he just felt like everything would be done by CG? And then here you are. You've built faces. I mean, even down to, I can understand uh, doing Doctor Zoidberg as a as an audio animatronic, sure. but even Professor Farnsworth is a amazing is an amazing mask and a disturbing one. And thank very you, very disturbing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I guess as he should be. I mean, what was interesting to me watching it is feeling like it's almost like oh, uh, like it's a, like it it is CG except it's not. You know, and 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 I don't mean that as a cut. It's just like because I'm agreeing with you is that the more I watch films with a lot of CG, the more I become aware of them as that instead of the way of just like really enjoying seeing like there's something tangible tactile about it really being there. So uh, what point in this process were you brought in? Because again, it's hard to tell from the bios and the explanation what's real. I mean, I know right. you're really, well, really I, a scapegoat. Right. I, and I was a sheep herder as well at the beginning. So oh. that, well, we could have gone two different ways. There was either going to be uh, blanket manufacturing or we were going to do some kind of fan film. Okay. So uh, when we switched from that, I, I let the herd go. And <laughs> I was uh, – originally, the people who were involved with this were Cody Frederick, Dan Lanigan, and uh, Martin Munoz. <laughs> so – Okay. Sorry about that. We had a, we had technical difficulties. I don't for know. A if, I don't. I don't know if he heard that. Yeah. We, you know, we were hearing oh. st- static. But did, yeah. if you didn't hear anything, we might be okay. Give me a know. second. I want to. I want to deal with it and uh, and make sure it doesn't happen again. So we may okay. have. We may have a little bit of. I hope so because what I just said was just pure effing gold. It no, was it amazing. was. This was fine. Now and, and uh, you, you know, so I'm gonna while he's fixing this, <laughs> I, you know, maybe this little color thing is. It may not even appear on the recording. It may have just been in the feedback part okay. of this. So. We're fine now. Okay, we're fine. Um, so one thing I'm get I'm, I'm guessing from this smooth and easy banter is, and and realizing that you're you're actually out of Chicago, not out of Los Angeles, though you spend time there. Is are you a big improv person? I absolutely love improv, and uh, Dan and I actually met Cody at Second City. Okay, co- coincidentally, a few years ago. Yeah, that's how we actually got to know each other. Ah, very interesting. So, I, so I'm that a was a comedy keen, sports survivor. A keen, a keen ear there. Yeah. Well, I do improv. I've done it for many, many, many years. It's probably it's, a lot longer than you, uh, <laughs> just because I'm well, a lot older. <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, so they they brought you in. Well, well, yeah, okay. I mean, we were on a tangent there about improv, but what is it that uh, you know? What helps that that bring to film? Improv, honestly, improv. The the thing that I I try to stress to people with improv how to apply it to anything is that it's all about taking chances, really. If because there are so many people who want to put up walls wherever, whenever they're trying to do something creative, they think about the problems, what can't we do and all. And improv is all about just dive into it and see what happens. Yeah. And so that is really helpful in uh, just kind of feeling things out, seeing, you know, what sticks. Yeah. So wherever you were in this process for Fanorama is like talk about diving in. What what was the impetus to say, we're going to not only we're going to prove our practical effects skills, but we're going to do it with Futurama. Right. Really, the the key aspect that started this whole thing rolling was honestly uh, Dan and Cody. Uh, and Cody, once again, uh, met him at Second City. He's actually called the uh, the Grand Vizier of Improv in Chicago, if you ever run into him. All right. Uh, they they were looking for a way to because uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of a sad, pathetic, fat guy. And so the idea was they were sitting around talking in front of me as as if I weren't there about, you know, how do we get him, uh, you know, to actually get, you know, physically touched by a female, maybe in the same room with a woman. And I've so, yeah, yeah. And what they noticed is that fans is and particularly in this case, female fans, I was I was still, uh, you know, trying to make an effort to, you know, be choosy. Uh, they said. <laughs> You know, they, they confuse the actors a lot of times with, you know, their characters. And women would want to talk to an actor about it's like because they have they play a cool character. It's nothing like the actual person. It doesn't matter. So they you're counting help. on confusion. Right. Yes. And and so what they did, Dan and Cody sat down for, uh, you know, a couple months and really just pondered it. What? What character out there am I most alike that I'll be able to transition into easily? And when they were just watching Futurama and saw Zoidberg, you know, living in a dumpster, eating garbage, you know, spraying. Okay, now how much of that is true? I mean, (laughs) oh my God, it's all completely true. Of course, you can't. It's it's going to be on the internet, right? So you know, I know it's going to be true. It's going on your Wikipedia page right now. Has to be true, exactly. So that that's basically it, and it's worked out well. I since then I have what we're saying, you know, as a quote unquote girlfriend. We're gonna we're hoping to 2018. Our goal is to hold hands. So uh, Godspeed, man. Baby Godspeed. steps. So so yeah. a little shout out to Katie out there. I'm thinking about you and your your hand. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, so that's that's why they chose uh, chose Futurama. But uh, now in a time when you know I think. I don't know exactly how many we- weeks before the Fanorama came out was when the Paramount lawyers came out with with all kinds of restrictions <laughs> about their Star Trek fan films. Did you guys have a moment of oh crap, we just lost control of our bodily functions? You know, a, a fear of that kind of thing. You know, we did a bit, uh, and it's we're in a really weird position because uh, you know we 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 are in a similar situation where we're, you know, doing a fan film, but on the flip side, that whole Paramount thing, at least we're guessing, we don't know, you know, the, you know, whatever lawyers are going to say, whatever they want to, but 
my guess is that comes down to the fact that uh, that one particular, what was it, uh, Axinar or yes, yeah, something like that, that that guy took in millions of dollars. And I think that really is what got them to put out such draconian rules. Yeah, but you got a girlfriend out of this, so maybe... Uh, and actually, I have to... And uh, she's got to be worth millions. It's She's worth millions, of course, but I have to share her a couple of, oh, like, no. several months of the year with the Fox uh, executives. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. So the, that's the, the, you know the, what? Be- this interview's taking choosers. a very dark turn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is not our family-friendliest podcast. Uh, yeah. So. What's really bad is this is this, this is her learning that for the first time when she hears <laughs> it. <laughs> well. Oh, Merry, Wait, Merry three Christmas. three plane tickets to Los Angeles. <laughs> you shouldn't have, honey. I, I know. <laughs> And for a real treat. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, all right. So, uh, as you said, then, this... Uh, this so, yeah, we're nervous as hell. We're not sure what's going to happen. But it's, <laughs> been out, but it's been out for, like, a month. So, clearly, yeah. somebody has... Uh, I'm sure that somebody's shown Matt Groening. Somebody's shown uh, whoever else would be involved in Futurama. Maybe not Fox Lawyers, because who knows what they're actually... I mean, I think they all have... have uh, Departments trolling the internet for mentions and so forth. So, they, so people must be aware. They actually use trolls. Right. Yes, they do. Um, Real life trolls. They, yeah, they they spend a lot of time on 4chan, I believe. So, just <laughs> yeah. if you <laughs> exactly. try to be yeah. careful. Uh, anyway, who is that 4chan? Uh, so, you know, that in mid September, the fuller version is going to come out. Right. What is the goal and the next step for Cinema Relics? Really, this is uh, a lot of this is a proof of concept. We were we've been trying to get into uh, scripted for so long, and uh, Dan and I and Cody and uh, Katie and some others have had a lot of time working in uh, just some reality stuff, and that does not open any doors for scripted development. You can go with treatment after treatment, scripts, everything. They want to see what you've done. Yeah. And so we finally said we have to bite the bullet and just do something ourselves to show, you know, this is kind of what we can do. And Dan is a big believer in, you know, just go big or go home. So uh, so that's why this is kind of as overblown <laughs> a fan film as you'll probably ever see. And uh, do you see yourselves as a collective, like, you know, almost like a – is it considered like a troop that you're hoping to make films – as a troop together and developing the same or or are you just ripe for the picking and and whoever you know whoever gets plucked is fine i mean there's no question that that cody is probably going to get hired immediately because the guy is you know you know i as i said earlier he's the admiral of improv and he's just you know freaking gorgeous as you'll see in the you know the trailer and stuff uh, they actually had to work so hard to play down his uh, his good looks for Fry, because otherwise you would, you wouldn't even listen to the words. What does he have on you? Oh, what doesn't he have on me? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I mean, right so, now is he like in the room right now, like with a gun? In- <laughs> <laughs> no, he is not here with a gun. Blink there is once no, if you need help. No nine millimeter gun pointed at my left temple right now. Okay, I think they bought it. So wait a minute. The, uh, no. The uh, ideally, we would love to work together. Uh, we've got such a great group of guys. Uh, people like uh, like Katie Lanigan's one of the producers, and she plays Leela, and she's phenomenal. And Adam Cook and uh, Martin Munoz, 
is uh, he's like our do everything mad scientist. Uh, he creates tons of the stuff that we use, developed a lot of the technology that we use uh, for things like building Zoidberg and Bender and all that stuff. And uh, so we've got these guys who are so talented. And so it's nice to have that pool to draw from. But we've had such luck with this because people, uh, when we, we, it was easy to find people who got, were passionate about doing something with Futurama. Because mm-hmm. people just, it's like, well, we're doing this fan film about Futurama and people just hand us resumes. Like, you know, tell me what I can do to help. And so we've got a lot of people who, who love it and there's, we've made a lot of good relationships. So hopefully we're going to be working together on some future projects and some amazing stuff will come out of this. Well, excellent. We, uh, wish you all the best on that. I, and I'm very much looking forward to the, the, the half hour ish film. Um, well, yeah, very, very much. And so we'll keep an eye out for that in September. And, uh, so thank you for taking the time tonight, Andy. Uh, no problem. Really great talking to you. So as, as I said before, you are certainly welcome to talk about general nerdistry with us for the rest of the evening, or you can go off and have a real life. I don't know. I, I, I could hang out. I don't care. I'll hang out for at least a little while until I get uh, you know the call from my social worker. You, you, Let you, us know when you leave, like like in a huff. If you would leave in a huff when the time comes, it's like, that's it, you sons of bitches. You know, something. All right. Yeah. Cue, up, yeah, cue up like the sound of the dial tone or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rick will do that in post. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rick will yeah. fix I'm that slamming, I don't, slamming down the phone. I don't do practical <laughs> effects. I do everything in post. He's totally Oh, uh, nice. You know what we should do right now, though? We should talk to our man in Los Angeles. We should. Nate, how are you? Oh, I'm wonderful, gentlemen. Yes, we should give a shout out to. Uh, uh, we have not had Nate on for a long time because he's been uh, working. Well, one working, we're very always happy about that. But uh, as a PA, and our you prayers are, were answered, and, uh, and you are back uh, working as a PA on the second season of Teachers, uh, which they were also weren't they? Uh, the Cates uh, were a, a Chicago improv group. Yes, they were. Yeah. The Katie Dids. The Katie Dids, that's it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know of them. Yes. Very cool. Yes. So uh, they're treating you well, Nate? Oh, absolutely. Better than actual teachers? Oh, no doubt. <laughs> yes. Okay. How's that actual commute? Teachers. <laughs> How's the commute? Uh, the way there, not too bad. The way home, not great. Yeah. Uh, well, L.A. So, exactly. <laughs> that's all you can say. Uh, so, all right, we got uh, said some comics news, some movie news, some TV. Let us begin with a. It's kind of a. Let's not call. Let's not call it a sadness. Let's call it a celebration of one of those unsung heroes of uh, comics. Uh, this week saw the passing uh, of DC Comics letterer, and that's an art form people really underappreciate. Oh yeah, Gaspar Saladino, and I can remember seeing that like you know letters lettering by Gaspar as a kid, one of those first titles that I that I really knew. Uh, but he's also a logo designer, and I think probably one of the logos that was burned most into my brain as a kid was that Green Lantern, Green Arrow, the flaming, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. From that, that's that's Gaspar. He developed. And for Andy, this is going to sound really, really obscure, but for me as a geek, it's like, oh, it's one of the first things I really recognized in comics, too, was uh, was the way Swamp Thing spoke in word balloons. He was the expert in creating creating word Drippies. balloons that, that, made it, that made it look like 
how those characters sounded. So, I mean, he really, really played. Who would have thought lettering was such a Well, we do. I mean, because we know Richard Starkings in Comic Crap. Yeah. But Gaspar was really the guy that kind of really moved forward and brought it forward as an art form. In, in comics, uh, his last major project, though he's been active, he had been active on, uh, until about ten years ago, and occasionally doing But his last major and probably most famous work was he was the letterer on Grant Morrison and Dave McKeon's Arkham Asylum, which is probably the most one of the most influential Batman graphic novels. Uh, and certainly, s- certainly, the media and crossover stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, a lot of the success of that book is really due to Gaspar Saladino. So we send him off and say, uh, you know, what, what terrific work and check it out at DC. Um, someone returning, uh, because the dark horse just finished dark horse comics, just finished Hellboy or Mike Mignola just finished Hellboy and ended the Hellboy saga. And then they've announced for 2017, we're going to get a, a new graphic novel, Hellboy into the silent sea with, uh, again from Mike Mignola and Gary Johnny. Uh, so they lied. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of stories you can tell in Indeed. his life. Indeed. You know, it's, it's sort of like Doctor Who. And I, I think we just lost Nate by mentioning Doctor Who, but I, I like to do that from time to time. Uh, so uh, anyway, that's something coming in 2017. And then there's news we kind of missed. We were I was off at Comic-Con. I remember hearing this and thinking, as soon as Derek gets back, we'll talk about this. Well, we should. You know, yes. is that uh, d- uh, with the great rebirth, Wonder Woman revival, uh, and again, uh, you know, Andy, let us know if you if you have an opinion on this one here, because uh, I think you were heading this way. Uh, Absolutely. With uh, they were doing alternate covers for Wonder Woman, and Frank Cho, an artist who who is no stranger to controversy, because he was the one that did that Spider Woman. Uh, or he did a series of covers making or images making fun of the controversy over the Milo Manara Spider Woman image, right. right, with her splayed and so forth. So he was doing alternate covers, variant covers for Wonder Woman, and because uh, I believe, if I understand, looking at the artwork correctly, he left in a huff. Uh, Oh, not a that, but it did get, I, I don't know, it kind of got blown out of proportion, perhaps. But he left angrily and, and threw some accusations out at Greg Rucka, who is writing Wonder Woman, because Greg Rucka had, com, has complete uh, creative control over even the variant covers that DC uses to sell. And what, they're fi- what they were fighting over was whether or not you could see Wonder Woman's panty line. Wow, that's... Uh... That's impressive. Now, is this the one? Have you seen the image? <laughs> yes. I'm looking at something right now. It, she's holding that, a sword. She's kind of bent over okay, in a very... This t- is not the one. In okay. a very Case, typical... Is it there or not? Uh, no, it, it's not. The the final... And I think they've actually scrapped that cover entirely. Wow. But they were fighting over it. He wanted. He drew it so that she was wearing... Uh, so you could see the line of her underwear. And Greg Rucka wanted... Uh, the cover to be smaller in scope, rather, so that you would not know one way or the other. And did, did you see the original, Derek? Yes, yes. Yeah. And so it's like a bikini line. Uh, it's, I mean, so he it's just not, wants a mystery, right? To whether she's it's wearing more that it's, or not. It's more that her shirt skirt is a little too short. Then, then right. Panty, if, if you a can panty s- line is usually referred to as the image underneath the fa- of a fabric. You can see the no. Okay, the so line it's not right, it but it's the it's the line right. of her bikini bottom. Right. Therefore, being that it kind of more sexualizes her 
than Greg Rucka wanted her to be. Right. He wants to emphasize the warrior. A character that runs around in a bikini and ties you up to make you tell the truth could never be sexualized. Well, um, <laughs> have you read some of the comics from the 40s? Um, the, the Wonder Woman stories? From the 40s? Yes, the original no. stuff. No, I didn't. Oh, yeah, there's a great book from this uh, uh, that just came out a couple years ago about the history of Wonder Woman, and uh, basically the creator was very much... it's. Uh, Every every story uh, involves Wonder Woman getting tied up and women in bondage really? and spanking. Apparently, and it was a uh, it was a favorite. Uh, it was a personal thing that he had, of his, a, yeah. and he had a he was living in an open marriage. Uh, and he some, invented the uh, the, the lie, lie detector. detector, or at least he claimed to. He might have lied about that, yeah. but uh, yeah, no, well done. no, no. But it actually is true. He was credited for for decades as having invented the first real practical uh, lie detector. And hence, she has the lasso of truth because that was reflecting his obsessions. Mm-hmm. Um, very feminist, but also <laughs> they're not stories you can really show to children without them questioning what, what what's going on here. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, I, I just keep my toddlers knee deep in spawn. So there's no nothing weird. Exactly. Going on there. exactly. <laughs> good counter. Good counter. Knee right. deep in spawn. <laughs> spawn. There's so many good titles for this podcast <laughs> yes, I, I know that yeah thank you thank you that was the name of my band in high school too so knee deep in spawn knee deep in spawn uh, yeah most guys are in it for the for the chicks and but... he was in it for the spawn um Darn right. <laughs> oh your girlfriend's finding out so much tonight uh one yeah anyway uh so that was probably the biggest comics controversy that we that we uh missed you know and i'm not i i can sort of see like it's it's DC had to promise a lot to bring Greg Rucka back because I remember when he quit, it was like he was never going to write for DC again. Yeah. And one of the biggest surprises of Rebirth was Greg Rucka is back. Uh, and for those not familiar with Greg, uh, he's a novel, a crime novelist, a, a brilliant writer. It's like he doesn't really need comics; he likes comics. Yeah, you know, and and he has an affection for Wonder Woman and and did do a fantastic run on her uh, on her book about eight years ago nine years ago time it just all blurs i don't keeps know. on slipping in the future for me uh you know i was trying to stay away from i was going to manic monday and trying to avoid it yeah and then you yeah we so, have different playlists well you're older uh so anyway it is time for that segment of the show in which uh w- what you have something you no, have no, this look on no, your no. face there's anticipation i there's... think you skipped an item didn't you no no uh no no i did not uh, it's time to okay. turn to what's in the bag, which is, uh, what's in the bag. What's in the bag. And it actually sounds like it's coming all the way up from LA. I, I know it does. It's like, it's strange. It's echoing up it's the like, canyon. It's like, he's actually in the bag and def- and running out of <laughs> oxygen because we put him one in one of those laundry bags. Uh, so, uh, yes, this is the time of, of the show where we just kind of, we go over, uh, some of the comics that have come out this week, recommendations, or the other, the flip side is very rarely, but occasionally, please, for the love of God, do not pick this public book up off the shelf. Yeah, public PSAs. So, Nate, it's been so long, and I don't even know if you've had time to go to the comic shop since 2015. I have, but not today. Okay. But I was there last week. I'm Okay. Um, but I can tell you what I would have picked up today. Well, I have a question because I know where you're going to default, but I, I, maybe it's time to, to catch people up. Is at least the first issue in the arc for Walking Dead, the Whisperer War? Yes. Have you picked that up? 
Yes. Issue one of six. And tell us about it, Nate. Is it everything you'd hoped for? Uh, well, it's just the beginning, Derek. <laughs> I know it's just the beginning. <laughs> but at Comic-Con, Skybound had a huge banner up for it. Oh, really? Oh, really? I don't know, Andy, if you had a chance to walk around the floor. I mean, I encountered you at their booth, which is another thing. I meant to ask you, and I'm just going to say that, you guys Wait. clearly had planned. How did you get a booth so sweet? That actually was really, really uh, lucky. We're friends with, uh, with people who run Geek Nation. Ah. And they were not going to have a booth this year, and you have to either you have to you know keep it going, other you or you lose it. Yes. So they they asked us if we wanted to sublease it, and they, we said fine, and they gave us our number. Our number was all the way in the back in the next row, and then uh, a couple weeks before Comic Con, we got told, oh, there was a mix up. We're switching you out to this, and we got just. You know, just the most amazing position. That was. Right when you walk in, you know, a couple sets of door and boom. Right, yeah. you know, Bender standing there. Yes, that's exactly. Okay. That's awesome. It was beautiful. So, yeah. uh, so I again, I don't know if you ever left that and saw the huge Whisperer War for Walking Dead banner. But, uh, you know, so. Nate, I did not, but it sounds really amazing. The, the whisperers being those who are explaining it, Nate, because they've been in The Walking Dead for a while. Yeah. So the whisperers, uh, when we first encounter them, you don't know if zombies are talking to that each is, other. That is a freaky walkers, set of, of as they issues. Say. Yes. Um, and then you find out that it's a group that basically skin the zombies and wear their skin, and that way they can travel amongst them undetected. And if they whisper back and forth to each other, the zombies will continuously not recognize, oh, there's humans amongst us. So they can, A, live fairly safely unless confronted by actual living humans who are like, wait a minute, we got to kill this horde of zombies. Oh, it includes actual people as well. It is It is a taking a... And technique that Rick and his crew had done a couple times before, that, and they've even done on the TV show. It was in the pilot of the TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they take it a step further because they actually cut the faces off and wear the faces, up. and yeah, it's... they're more leather face than. Uh... And so they stay among the walking the, the walkers, and that's, they're a nomadic yes. tribe. They don't settle down any. And, well, they well, they of... do have they have territory, and that's why the war started yeah. because uh, okay. Rick and his people, who the whole way that they found out about the whispers is that somebody was in their territory and then they came back and reported to rick and the group and it was like hey we heard whispering zombies and it was really weird and then they found out oh they're not the walking dead they're actually people and they they did so. come out they did come to rick's people and they did say these are the boundaries do not cross them we are dead serious about this you'll be dead if you cross them and then someone crossed them and they they rained hellfire down on they murdered a lot of people a lot of favorites too it's like okay so i was trying to explain this to my son in my ongoing efforts to convince him that he didn't want to go to the universal studios walking (laughs) dead experience uh so my basic argument was you don't even watch the show when you can watch an episode of the show then we can see them there are plenty things i want you to watch that will give you nightmares (laughs) without you watching something exactly exactly Get your grades up or I'm not going to buy a corpse to wear. Yeah. That's right. That's- <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right. So <laughs> tough, tough but fair. Absolutely. I, you know, it's tough love and parenting. You got to look because the apocalypse is coming. Indeed. So, so I can I can be very spoilery if you like, or I can be uh, super not spoilery. No, don't be spoilery. Uh, that's good. It's, 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 we've done enough. I think yeah. damage so to, to my second. So the end of the previous issue, something huge happens, which. A lot, people, I a lot of people, it, I me actually... included, watch this, read this through graphic novels. And so I'm all caught up in the graphic novels, which is still a ways away from the Whisper War. Yeah, you're probably one arc before, right? Well, I've, I've gone through... Or at least one full arc before I think, the Whisper War. I think War. I did see just the... Um, the new uh, the new decorations on the borderline. Okay, yeah, so you're a full arc behind. So at the very end of the next arc, something enormous happens, which while I was reading it, I exclaimed out loud. Typically, I don't talk to myself when I'm reading comics or any other time. Sure. Yes, you do. But this... (laughs) We're not even here now. Then I had to shoot off an email to uh, Kirkman and Sean and let them know that I did that. Did, did, and, did you uh, teach Mary Jane a new swear word? Was that what happened? If she would have heard, she probably would have learned a new swear word. Okay, good. Uh, so hopefully that, that my letter will be in the next issue. Exciting. Nice. But the first issue of The Whisperer War basically picks up exactly where the previous issue left off, and it's going to be hopefully awesome. All right. What's, next, uh, what's first on your stack this week, Rick? So the first thing on my stack... Uh, I'm actually going to go with uh, with a series that's winding down, and this is issue number 10 of The Vision, which has been one of the weirder um, Marvel, and they, they never see limited series, but you know this is a limited series um, going From on. From issue one, it was very hard to see where it would go once they ended this arc. Yeah. Uh, issue one, it was hard to see where they were going to go after four issues. <laughs> yeah. so, but uh, And we know that um, Viv... Viv is going to be in the Champions, Champions the yeah. Young Young Avengers uh, spin-off thing. Um, so, which is kind of interesting if you've been following this series along. But I've and if I've, you're listening, but Viv Vision is the Vision's teenage daughter that he constructed. Yes. So, uh, I've been enjoying the heck out of this. I mean, it, it's 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 weird, and uh, but I like it. It's weird. It's likably weird. I'm slowly catching up on Marvel Comics Unlimited. Yeah. And I didn't like the first issue, but I thought I'd give it another try because so many people liked it. Yeah. And yes, I I get what you're saying. It's very weird, but I am now kind of, I'm drawn in by the story. Yeah. So yeah. Can the, the, I can ahead. I just chime in and ask what what was the vision thinking starting a kid off as a teenager? He has two kids. It's very. God, it's a very that is weird, a glutton for punishment. You know, I mean, that's the weird thing about the setup is uh, again not knowing how, how familiar you know started were with comics is that they had this big event where all reality changed, the uh, Secret Wars, and they and then when basically everything restarted, it was eight months later with no explanation, and one of the things was the Vision lives in uh, a suburb, a of, New England yeah. suburb. With uh, with the wife and two teen children that he constructed, and uh, who they themselves have even less concept of humanity than he does. They're learning. They're learning, yeah. And so I'm not even sure. I, I mean, you've just asked the basic question well, of the series. What was he thinking? Well, what was he trying to no, do? That, I, it makes perfect sense because if you were going to create something, you wouldn't create a baby because it's not going to ever not be a baby. But a teenager, hopefully, is in a, in a set of years that will eventually learn 
something and progress towards being a bit more of an adult, even if it Why isn't. couldn't it have been a super intelligent wow, baby? Wow, are you not familiar with teenagers? That's freaky. Yeah. <laughs> Teen, teenage girls especially. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I, no, I don't know teenage girls. I have a teen daughter, and uh, yeah, see, I've, I've heard go. I have a teen daughter. I don't know. You know exactly. So. Maybe, yeah, the vision is just, I want someone who's going to hate me and wreck the car. Oh. There you go. Both those things happened. Wow. <laughs> what You're <a> psychic. <laughs> How does he do it? <laughs> I am gonna fl- I'm gonna flash back and flash forward Ooh. with a Comic Con book that I actually backed on Kickstarter. Okay, uh, it's a graphic novel, f- but actually I think the four individual issues are gonna come out from Chapter House Comics. So uh, it came out as a hardcover graf- gra- graphic if, novel first, and then if it's you split? if you got uh, it, f- for the Kickstarter backers, ah. and then the individuals, it's called Die Kitty Die. And it's by two people who write for Archie Comics. So stop me if the, if this premise sounds familiar. A supernatural character who has always been comedic and fun uh, finds out that the publisher of her book is uh, decided that sales are so bad they have to uh, they have to pull some kind of grim and gritty stunt, uh, and so they're going to kill her. And, they, and they've put a contract out with all the other supernatural characters, like a different version of Hot Stuff. The Little Devil oh, and okay. a, a super evil Casper. Um, so it's all drawn in an Archie comic style. Yeah. Uh, and very clearly they're taking shots at people within Archie. But it's still kind of... Little Satan. Little, <laughs> little Satan. right to that. Yeah, Little Satan. Uh, and Did they have something Casper the dead baby? Yes. There basically is. And, they, and even explains how he died, which, uh, nice. you know, is like... Uh, um, but it's actually really fun, so I think it's going to come out, and I'm, gonna sh- I'm handing it over to, to Rick to look at. It's going to come out in, uh, the first issue will come out in October. I think you can still, you might be able to find this hardcover. Uh, so, I like the way they dotted the back, back covers to make well, it look like the each, old style. Well, because each issue, and what reminded me was a lot of the Patsy Walker Hellcat thing Marvel's doing, is each issue includes a story from a different period in her Got it. background, going back to the 40s, as Archie Comics and oh, Sabrina their paper Wood. dolls in the back. Uh, yeah, see, so, I mean, it's obviously they work for Archie, so they, they know what they're making fun of perfectly. Um, so if you can, if you can find the graphic novel, get it. If you want to wait for the individual, which is weird, you're right. That is reverse engineering it. The individual issues to come out from J- chapter house comics or go to your local comic shop and say, look for it in your, di- in the diamond catalog and make sure that you, that you get it. Cause it is a lot of fun and there's the promise of more, but it's also, it's, it's a story that easily could wrap up. If that's all we see, it'll be fine, but it was fun. And it was one of the, the, the most enjoyable things nice. I picked up at Comic-Con. Nate, is there any other prediction of what you'd have purchased this week? Yes. Yes. I don't want to steal anybody's thunder, but no, All-Star your Batman, number one. Well, that was the next one. You stole Rick's thunder! <laughs> Woohoo! Did you actually read it, Rick? No, I haven't yet. Okay, me neither. Did you read it? Because I didn't get it yet. Yeah, we don't have time to read. Uh, but I've been waiting for... I ha- I dropped all of DC except for Justice League... Which that was has been still pretty good. By Jeff Johns, and then with Rebirth, I picked up Superman, Batman, Justice League, and I'm doing All Star Batman because it's Scott Snyder. Yeah, yeah, and that's and, the only reason. And, and John Romita Jr. I was going to say him too, but it's going to alternate. It's going to have a, a bunch of different artists on. Okay, this so, one was I picked that up and I go, yeah. "This is beautiful stuff." I yeah, got to buy the this first one. issue is so no one can fault you, Nate, for picking that up. Although, as I'll reiterate, I, I, there hasn't been, been 
a Rebirth book that I haven't somewhat enjoyed. There may be some I won't continue just because I can't afford to buy them all. But uh, it's been really an effective Rebirth. The only thing about it is it's five. It's a five dollar book, and it's not huge. So, that may be the first issue. The, I don't know if the second issue will be, but okay, we'll, we shall see. What's next on your stack, Rick? Now well, that Nick, now the, that uh, Nate stole your now thunder. That Nate stole my thunder. The next book I have is called Black the Black Monday Murders. Uh, that's by Jonathan Hickman, of course, and it's a, a supernatural um, noir uh, book. I've only flipped through it. It looks really cool. There's uh, there's chapters that are that are uh, sprinkled with prose segments in it. Uh, this also was a five dollar book, but I'm comparing it uh, with the uh, with the All Star Batman. It's a thicker book with uh, with fewer ads. So. This is a image. each page is like a quarter inch thick. Yeah, it's it's ch- you can hear them clunk as yes. they as they fall open. Um, it is a image book, and uh, by that, uh, it's about all I know. Uh, but it it does it 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 looks uh, looks sweet, and but, it's Jonathan Hickman. Wait, so, be honest, has, yeah. has there been a Hickman book you have not enjoyed? Uh, I'm sure there's been one, but we'll give him that. All right. I'm going to go back to another Comic-Con purchase, and I saw you had posted on Facebook that you picked this up, too, so I want to put it out oh, there. Oh, I, I got the paperback. I didn't get the hardback. Uh, I got a deluxe hardcover edition of Valerian and Laureline, Ambassador of the Shadows. Uh, this is the gra- graphic album from Europe that is going... What is the actual name of the movie? Uh, the the Luc uh, Besson, new yeah, Luc Besson uh, movie. Uh, I it's, it's the second book. Actually, in my... Den is an envelope that I received today that has the graphic novel that is the one they're converting in the movie. No, this is this is, this is what I was told. This is why I, why I picked this one up. Well, then regardless, there's, there's a there's a graphic the second the, that one I think is maybe the third in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, th- it doesn't start with them playing 3D chess on the front and the uh, oh I don't know what they're playing in the front. No, I, I don't know. But this is a longstanding yeah 1960s French comic series. Uh, that is being turned into a film by, uh, sure. by Luc, Luc Besson. And with uh, Cara, Cara Delevingne, uh, who is in Suicide Squad as the Enchantress, and uh, the guy who was the kid that was the Green Goblin in the last uh, yeah. Amazing Spider-Man 2. And the the trailer just looks insanely cool. That's what I'm counting on. I'm not even sure it has to be good. I yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to see what the fuss was about. So you can pick up uh, their reprinting, but which had been out of print for a while. So that's that's film. a reprint then, because mine are paperback and they're not near that big. We can pair. We can pair. No, sizes. no, no. The, yeah, this is this is more in terms of the French album. This is yeah. a recent uh, reprint. Did uh, you get that at h- half off? Uh, no, no. I picked it up at uh, Mysterious Galaxy. I think it oh, was. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it's a 2016, but the original edition was from 1975. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this, uh, didn't, did any of this make it into heavy metal? I don't know. I, or I, metal. I, I, I did not read heavy metal very often. Okay. So I saw the movie furtively. Yeah. Uh, I read what? like the first 200 issues and then I was out. <laughs> Only the first 200. <laughs> uh, what would be next went, for you, Nate? It went downhill after It went downhill. After, yeah, well. It started around 170. It started going downhill. But, uh, and I, I stick with it, hopefully. Yeah. Oh, there's Mary Jane. Well, there she is. Last but not least for me. Uh-huh. And I will admit to have not reading any of the first 15 issues yet because I just was able to finish Secret Wars fairly recently. Amazing Spider-Man number 16. Uh-huh. 
So I don't know if that series is even good, but it's Dan Slott, so I'm it's assuming it is. Really it's, it's Dan Slott with Christus Gage. Uh, so if you listen to the last podcast that we, that we released on Sunday, or Monday, uh, was uh, an interview with Christus about uh, Amazing Sp- his work, some of his work on Amazing Spider-Man working with Dan Slott. So nice. good choice, Nate. Good yeah, that's, choice. this is leading into the Dead No More um, clone conspiracy uh, thing. That I'm, uh, yeah. I'm both excited about and very afraid of. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, the Spider-Man uh, since this this latest Marvel now Spider-Man has been really good. I like everything that they've been doing with it, and no flaws. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know I'm really Excellent. looking forward to Marvel soon. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> what would be next on your stack, Rick? Uh, on this note, gentlemen, you have to leave. I do need to go. That was the call of Nate having to leave. Nate, can we hear you sing Mary Jane a lullaby? No, no, you cannot. (laughs) Ah, darn. (laughs) Nice try, Rick. Uh, Guys, it has been a pleasure. Excellent. We'll get you back on. It's been a blast from the past, Nate. There we go. Thanks, Nate, for coming in I certainly hope so. Bye, Nate. It was great meeting you. Hey, nice meeting you, too. And say goodnight to Mary Jane for us. Will do. All right. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Next on your stack, Rick. The last thing on my stack is one that I looked at originally and I wasn't going to buy it when I when it in previews. I uh, why no, not going to. And but today I I flipped through it. I said I'll give this one a try, and it's just that I I'm a little afraid of the saturation of uh, of super characters in DC, and especially this one is Superwoman, and. Uh, it looks like we've got Captain Adam on the front cover, or maybe you'll tell me that's Steel. Maybe it's Steel. It's it could steel. be Steel. I don't no, know. I, I think it's Steel because I, I see yet. a cape, uh, yeah, cape I tonsil there. I haven't read it yet. And, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's going to be – I'll give this three issues. <laughs> um, but the artist the artist, very nice in it. I am, But like I said, I'm just getting a little worried that we're going to get a – uh, Zeppo the Super Ape any, any day now. Beppo. Beppo. Uh, Zeppo was the Super Marx Brothers yes. uh, brother who I dropped out. I would buy that book. Zeppo the second. Super Marx Brother. Uh, <laughs> um, and it's sad that I know it's it. Oh, I'm sorry. I, 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 we did this wrong, too. It's, it's Beppo the Super Monkey. Right. It's Titano the, the Super, Super Ape. Ape. Yes. And it's amazing that I reproduced. Okay, so... Uh, Anyway, I actually I think she has a desk. I wouldn't buy that last book. I think she has no. I think people would. Uh, that is the. I, I think that she has a death sentence on her from the beginning. It's like the All Star Superman setup. Oh, is that right? Of like this is the that the powers are killing her kind of thing. So, so it worked for All Star Superman. So it, we'll do it, it for it, Superwoman. Well, I mean, I I think it's kind of like the Marvel Now thing. It's like there are series designed to end. Yes, and and I'm fine with that. Just throw that idea out there because you have two Lois Lanes. Why why would right. you need with right. two? Um, I'm gonna. This is a surprise. This is how good DC Rebirth is. I'm taking a chance and buying a book that oh my I god, thought really? I hated. Oh my god! And every in the previous New Fifty Two, and that is that I have bought Red Hood and the Outlaws because the idea of Jason Todd teaming up with Bizarro and Artemis yeah. as sort of a reverse Trinity. <laughs> yes. Um, this finally has a combo of characters that maybe I like, and I actually liked the the Red Hood Rebirth the special that kind of reset everything. And so it's, again, my issues with Jason Todd, I realize is that they just keep trying to build in 
a backstory that wasn't there when Jason Todd first appeared. So you know, I read the whole first uh, edition of uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws, and I I liked it. It was you know, it just kept yeah. being good enough for me to buy the next issue. But when I realized that there was kind of a Stockholm syndrome going on there, I said, "Now's the time to break." And now you're, you're well, that's how I feel about the podcast. Now I you're mean, you know, you're breaking me. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you, you just you, when you pointed out it's reverse trinity, reverse trinity, I went, "Oh, you're right." So I I like what they've been doing with Bizarro. So it's just kind of okay. You've got a character that I that I'm amused enough by that maybe just maybe this will work for me. Plus, again, every every rebirth book I picked up. And I think I have picked up, picked them all up. Is it's been entertaining on one level or another, and I've had to have a conversation with my son about we're not going to buy them all. What do I get to cut? Tell me, please. So because I can't make the choice, I love them all. But that's our comic stuff. We've got some movie crossover. I mean, we transition in because it just broke today uh, that independent filmmaker. I guess she's actually done mostly shorts. Emily Carmichael has signed with Fox to direct a big screen adaptation of Lumberjanes, the boombox uh, series for uh, kids called, uh, which is about five campers, I'm going to mispronounce all these names, five campers at Miss Quinzella Thisquin Penequiquil Thistle Crumpets Camp for Hardcore Lady Types. And these five girls live... Penequiquil. Oh, I, yeah, I'm sure you're right. Um, <laughs> thanks. Uh, who live in the Roanoke cabin, and they fight werewolves and monsters in the woods, and this has been like this huge breakout surprise hit and probably the biggest book that Boom Studios does. Are they doing anything with Scholastic or for, th- for that they, they don't need to. Well, I'm just sometimes they do. I mean... You know, no, because Boom has their own distribution base. They have their own graphic novels. schools? Oh, into schools. Yeah. You know, I don't know because I don't. Because, uh, yeah. I don't know that. I don't know if those classic book clubs still exist. Uh, yes, it does. It does. Okay. Are, have you ordered from them recently? I have. Cool. <laughs> what did you pick up? Garfield's Ninth Live? I did. Oh, my God. In this one, you actually found out it's it's actual parenting issues that has caused him to hate Monday so much. The darkness. <laughs> His mother's is, name, Monday. You are ready oh. to do a horrible, grim and gritty reinterpretation yes, of, of, the, of books. The uh, darkness that's revealed is amazing. DC should hire you to re, to write the next issue of the Flintstones. Um, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, call me. <laughs> we have no power. As I, used ah. to say, as I used to say to my students, if I had strings to pull... I'd have pulled them for me. <laughs> you know what's happening in the Flintstones, don't you? Uh, there's a thing about religion, I know, in the second issue. Oh, I... They're doing a thing where the cavemen are coming out against monogamy. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay. We're not kidding. That that There really is a kind of a grim and gritty, funny redo of, of the Flintstones going on right now. It's bizarre. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I don't know about their school distribution. I don't think it matters. I think that they've got so much... Uh, you know, it's out there on Amazon. The press is so big that you know they're all people that are web comic stars involved in this. Yeah, I think there's still it's still still families out there. I mean, we're on the we're in the I know you're right. West we're coast in the city, we're stuff, West Coast and the city. And yeah. families look to Scholastic for safe stuff for their kids to read. Yeah, so you know, Bone okay, Bone right? Yeah, they did a whole well because Scholastic actually picked that up to yeah, publish. Yeah. I, I I you know I, I mean that I know that Boom just does their own trades and and right. goes out there. But this is a big. I mean, with Boom, it feels like right now it's a race to see which one of their of their concepts gets to film first because there's so many when they have that first look deal with Fox. 
but uh, it's still very exciting. And Ross Ritchie, Boom Publisher, has been named as producer of the film. And uh, right now they're doing a, a crossover with DC, uh, Lumberjanes and Gotham Academy. So it's kind of cool to see this, like, way... Uh, WonderCon, I think... Uh, when it was in Anaheim three years ago, I interviewed some of the people for the Lumberjanes and like had no idea what this book was. It was nothing. And then to realize, you know, and when I say nothing, mainly because it, the first issue would just come out and it was just not on my radar. And now it's just this huge phenomenon that's still not necessarily on my radar, but I recognize that it's a good book that people are enjoying the heck out of. And, uh, so great. I hope the movie captures some of that, uh, of that magic, um, whatever that is. Uh, the greatest news that we could possibly have had happen uh, to us uh, sort of happened while we were uh, doing weird fill-in This episodes. was the other thing I was going to write note, note on. I never was did. that the Rocketeer uh, is getting a requel, I, I think is what you say. It's a reboot slash sequel taking place five years after. Are you a fan, Andy, of the Rocketeer film? I love the Rocketeer. Yeah, so they're they're moving it forward five years. So if the original was like 1936, so it'd be like 1941, the eve of World War II, and um, Cliff will have disappeared. So it's an African-American girl putting on, which is weird because I realize Marvel's doing exactly the same thing with Iron Man. (laughs) But uh, Disney is putting an African-American woman, or women, it may be. It may be, I think there was talk about the title might be The Rocketeers. And uh, wow. and have uh, women in the suit with a, with the jetpacks. Right. What was the name of the uh, squadron that was all black men and the Tuskegee Airmen? Tuskegee Airmen, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, I I don't know. It's it, it's interesting. I and it's what uh, on the podcast a couple weeks ago we were talking about a Rocketeer comic and saying like it's not the Dave Stevens work. So if you're going to take the character, you know, this is the something different. I guess I was talking about so. I've got bated breath because I love that first movie so, so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and Joe Johnston, who directed it, is still active in the business because he's the one who did Captain America, the first Avenger. I, I don't know if – I don't think they've attached a director to it, but they are actively developing it. And uh, you can still hear the theme music at California Adventure uh, playing outside of Soren around the world. So I'm I'm just, you know, hoping this turns out to be something Do you stop people when you're standing there waiting? Do you, do you stop people and tell them, do you know what the music is? No, no, no. I just tell my son over and over again, <laughs> it's the Rocketeer. And he goes, what? You watched it. He says, no, I didn't. Yes, you did. We're going to watch it again. Uh, so You loved it, kid. Remember, I, you love it. That's the, the weird, yes. No, there's actually the truth is like the next day he... He recreated Jennifer Connelly's part. He said, now I've He, like, mock hit me over the head with something and said, now I've played a scene with... Uh, I can't remember Timothy Dalton's character, but, uh, you know, like, he picked up that line, but he doesn't remember watching the movie now at all. <laughs> but uh, the weird thing, actually, after Universal Studios, the next time I have him, we're going to watch Creature from the Black Lagoon. Because uh-huh. he decided that he wants to start watching the classic Universal Monsters. That's a good one. That's that's not... Yeah. No, no. no. I'm just very excited. I finally... It's like, I said, are you sure? It's black and white. Um, <laughs> so, no, he's into it. But so. it's black and white mostly during the daytime. 
No, 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 no. It's totally. Uh, anyway, um, a weird, obscure one uh, the, but I, I did run, run a piece on the site is that uh, there's an independent film based on an independent comic by Tan- Daniel Close uh, called Wilson, which is about a disaffected, misanthropic, middle-aged man who just kind of it's like a slice of life of every day sucks and every day sucks worse than the next one. And then he discovers that he I had, know somebody like this. that he had a teen daughter. He didn't know anything about <laughs> I do, too. Shh. <laughs> and he almost showed up on the podcast today. We love you, Jason. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that, uh, that he discovers he has a teenage daughter he never knew existed. And uh, the, so Daniel Close has adapted it into a film. Uh, it's coming out in March 2017 with uh, with Woody Harrelson playing Wilson. So um, That's great. A movie that – and the funny thing is, and I posted it and said, like, Carl D'Angelo is the one who turned me on to the graphic novel and said this was the best one. And, and Carr, you know, worked in film. Had no idea this adaptation was coming. And so it's like, oh, I got to actually tell him something about it. Like one of your favorite graphic novels is turning into a movie. So I'm I'm going to hope, I'm just throwing it out there, that maybe CineQuest will get it because it's March. It might be the right time. Uh, I'm putting it out there for the people at CineQuest in San Jose. You know, I'm, I'm kind of excited about this. You film. know what they should show at CineQuest, though, definitely? Fanorama. They should totally they show should. at the film festival. If have, have, have you guys, have you guys uh, entered into film festivals with this, or are you just going to put it out there in the world? We have been offered to do a bunch of film festivals, but we're nervous about the legal ramifications uh, of it. So, oh, come to San Jose. We have a great film festival. We're not sure. And, and not a, sure. No. Okay. <laughs> Maybe like can you, you can show like a two minute as part of a larger technology. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, exactly. I'm Wait, sure. the wheels in my head just turned. I think we're gonna. I think I'm gonna bug the programming director about this. Okay. Um, yeah, have, have him call us. Stay we'll tuned. But, yeah. The thing about Wilson, I'm, 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 I think Woody Harrelson is a wonderful actor. I think he has not had a role that could could really make him Oscar bait for. Um, and the idea that that role could come out of a graphic novel too. Um, well, he did have a role that got him was Oscar bait. Which one was that? He was nominated for Larry Flint. Larry Flint. Oh yeah. Did he but win? He didn't, I don't think he, he didn't won. win that. He didn't one. win. But, I don't think, but that was the one the where... People, the people versus Larry uh, That was the moment that I went, really, of all the Cheers actors, it was Woody Harrelson who gets to say Oscar nominee. Right. And then he won me over because he he's so dang good. No, but I think I, I, from the, right. from this the preview, this could be it. This could be it. Whereas I don't think, I don't think Larry Flint wins Hollywood. No, but slice of life, pathetic, sad, depressed. That's has Oscar written all over it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, So you had a prostitute and and some uh, stuff with the Holocaust. That's a lock. I think there's a prostitute. I'm not sure that there's Holocaust, but all right, so it's it's not a lock then. But I recommend to people this graphic novel because it really is. It's 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 not what people expect out of. I mean, here we are in 2016, but I know that there are still people who see it all as superheroes or they see it as horror or sci-fi. And when you say despite the success of way back when American Splendor, when you say, no, right. this really quiet, just this story about people is a great graphic novel too, is, you know, it, it, it's it's did interesting. Silver, did Silver Linings Playbook win anything? But that wasn't a graphic novel. No, I was just saying from... from yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence won the Best Actress for Red, that. Best Actress, right. Yeah. But not Director of Story. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean... The slice of life stories work uh, yeah. for movies. I'm just saying to to turn people to back to this graphic novel, sure, which is really moving and Definitely. really really a powerful work. Um, so now we get to talk about the big movie story of the week. Uh, is that DC? <laughs> I feel like this is deja vu. 
DC Entertainment Films or DC <laughs> Films are sort of it's really Warner Brothers are in this scramble free fall reactive state of why don't you love me? We've done everything you asked us to, and we decided that we knew you what loved you us wanted. before you saw the film. Yeah, uh, which is Suicide Squad. Uh, Andy, have you seen Suicide Squad? No, I honestly the trailer I always thought looked terrible, so I've kind of avoided it. Well, there were three different trailers. Yeah, that's the one I hated. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. Can um, I can I call you mom? <laughs> Please. <laughs> it's uh, the, you know I, I believe it was the number one movie of the weekend. It made one hundred and thirty five. Yeah. Uh, it beat out um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, for August opening. Yeah. Although I still I, we I, like, I feel duty bound to report those things, but then I also feel like. What the hell does that really have to do with anything? And why should anybody care how much money it made? It should be, did you enjoy the film or not? Indeed. Do people want to see well, it's it? it's the second week that really tells well, the tale. that means whether they'll make a sequel. That's that's true. Yes. Um, that's <laughs> you know, very true. That's very true. Uh, I, and yes, I hate to break it to you, I, I think they will. Um, I don't know if they'll make a Suicide Squad. This is what I'm talking about, their free fall. It's like, oh. you know, a couple of years ago, Warner Brothers made this big thing of their slate where they announced exactly which films were happening when and what order they were going to be and then suicide squad kind of came out of left field yeah and then it was a surprise and then now as a result of it without even going into quality or opinion of it right now is in the in the wake of it there is oh we're going to which is the film nobody was demanding we're going to do man of steel 2 is now back on the table after being off of the table forever. That's in oh. development. And because I think... Please let it happen after Justice League. Yes, I think okay. it would be awkward uh, since Suicide Squad even references as being they, dead. They're experts at do, doing awkward things. Though. <laughs> this is true. Um, but uh, because Margot Robbie, I think pretty much is unscathed in terms of everybody agreeing that oh yeah that her performance was good everybody just wants more of her and that's what they're now going like yeah. oh okay you want more of that then we're gonna make a harley quinn film um which her and, and i love this i really hope that she actually gets some control it's like ben affleck as batman that she wants to do a birds of prey she wants Hardy to go up against Batgirl and Black Canary and whoever. And that Katana. would be cool. Katana could be, be uh, cool. could easily be a, ma- a bird. The of number of female superheroes in a in one film. Yeah, leave the Joker out of it. Um, yeah, you know, let him get killed off in a Batman solo film. Uh, so there's the, got to be a weekend when they don't see each other. There's got to be. There's uh, please. Um, I, although I mean, I, I mean, I had no problem with his with his, Jared Leto's no. performance. I think it's, again, that usual thing of, like, people don't understand how quickly a culture changes. And if a Joker is going to appear in 2016 as opposed to 2000, even 2008 or 2009 Heath Ledger right. or Jack Nicholson in 1989, that character appearing now is going to be different, is going to be part of a different kind of cultural zeitgeist. You want to scary him up? Make him a gangster on top of being crazy. Which I mean, they just... did that. Uh, Brian Azzarello and uh, Lee Bermejo did that graphic novel that Mick Gray inked. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those not knowing, you know, our friend, local artist uh, Mick Gray inked. Uh, you know, it's a great graphic novel that's totally, that's where the teeth that yep. Jared Leto has comes from. You know, all that imagery. Uh, although I've heard today that actually his tattoos and everything are stolen from um, the uh, South African rap group uh, D. Antwerd. Antwerd? Hmm. That are in uh, that, uh, what was that name? The movie about the rope, Chappie. Um, yeah. You know, so, um, 
Anyway, and now, uh, to no one's surprise, also in the Aquaman solo film, they've said, oh, Black Manta's going to be the villain. Again, I don't know why these things are news, but apparently they are. But it is, yet again, and the whole, all the news cycle afterwards has been Warner Brothers doesn't know what to do. And I don't know that they they could have made a movie better than what they made Suicide Squad to be because of the approach they've decided to take. There is no master plan. They're strictly reactive. No, I mean, you know that because like even, right, yeah. because even when they were making Aqua, when they said they announced Aquaman, they put three different screenwriter teams in competition against against each other. We'll take the pitch we like best. Right. But that's after they'd already planned Justice League without those people seeing what Justice League was. And because there isn't a Justice League yet, right? You know, and, and it's, they just don't know. Whereas you know that Kevin Feige over at, at Marvel because it's it's infamous. There's a timeline going to 2028. Well, there's a big room somewhere with that timeline up and, on the wall. And it's kind of like psychohistory in Foundation. Yes. Occasionally things get erased and moved, and, and there is a team of mathematicians working. <laughs> but they do see the big picture of where the even universe Deadpool is going. Deadpool is an algorithm. No, but that's Fox. Deadpool was not. You can't even say that because that was definitely a, an against all odds it's film. It's on that wall. But you know that Suicide Squad was, and yes. we know what the humor is, yes. like, oh, we're not going to do this, but what film, oh, because Guard- actually, and somebody said it, it said to me, reminded me a lot of Guardians of the Galaxy. That explains a lot of the music choices. Mm-hmm. It's like, Guardians of the Galaxy had awesome mix volume one, so we're going to do pop songs, er- rock songs everywhere we can. And they finally announced the soundtrack album. And then... Oh, yes. Okay. And then Deadpool comes out and they're like, oh, we got to make it funny. And so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's all reactive instead of proactive. And yet, despite all the horrible reviews, and uh, we talked about this before the podcast when it was just you and I in the room and not someone listening in uh, from Chicago in hushed tones. Occasionally Deadpool re- was funny? Yes, I, I thought Deadpool oh, was hilarious. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just proving that I listened. We're going to call you mom. That is true. That's, that's exactly how my mother would say. Oh, I, why was there such violence in that? Um, that uh, for all that, uh, that it is a plot that that not, it's not that it doesn't actually make sense. It's just that nobody paid attention in the script that basically the MacGuffin of the piece is if they had not actually tried to set to create the suicide squad, they would have had no need for the suicide squad. Yes. And nobody in, in production noticed that that was the fatal flaw of the story. Yes. But be that as it may, these are characters that uh, there's no way in the eighties when that comic book first came out that I would have imagined any of those characters were going to be on the big screen. Oh no. And I was trying to debate it. Really? It, 80s Captain Boomerang. <laughs> well, he's definitely the 2016 version. Or he is now, but yeah. He's, but he's still fun. Um, and this is, it was it was like a party. It was like watching a Rat Pack movie yes. of villains where the plot doesn't matter, but I still kind it's of enjoyed all about spending the time with them. And so it's weird because I certainly, you know, I was wincing all the way through Batman v Superman going, I'm going to have to watch this again with my kid. And well, I was watching. Was, which one was worse, or or better? I should say. No, Batman v Superman was worse because it was grim. Uh, the Ultimate Edition, the the home video version that's thirty minutes longer, actually makes a little more sense, oh. um, which is weird. But really, that is the one. That is one movie where I'd say doing a director's cut in which they added stuff actually okay. made more sense. This was a lot better in the fact that they had as much if not maybe more violence against uh, innocence and property and 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 just 
over-the-top violence because you were dealing with bad guys. And well, that were... was the thing with uh, with the Batman Superman. It's like what well, the whole plot was Batman's upset because right. Superman's fighting and they're destroying lots of buildings and stuff. So the solution is I'm going to do some fighting and destroy lots of buildings. Yes. Yes. And that's not the way those heroes work in... In comics, and, and shouldn't, and the thing was, and, and one again, another flaw of Suicide Squad is, if I said to you, you know who those characters are as a comics reader, but uh-huh. can you tell me, and I, I don't know that you would know this, if you were reading comics in the 80s, but um, if, is there a storyline from Suicide Squad that you find memorable, but you remember the characters? Yeah. And so, and and that's you know that's a problem with a, with a property like Suicide Squad, which is, it is all about the characterization, and that's going to be the end result of this movie. Nobody right. is going to be able to explain the plot. And the flaw of the plot is because everybody thinks we're going to make this big budget movie. It's got to be the entire world has to be at stake. Right, right, right. And Suicide Squad is exactly the team for which that is not what's at stake. Did it strike you odd that they borrowed the same world ending? Uh, special effect from the Flash to have throughout this whole and Ghostbusters, and Ghostbusters. every version of Ghostbusters. Yeah. Uh, so well, the Flash in particular there's all the garbage floating. Yeah, around but in the I mean, but I said, and... it, but it was also in the in the female Ghostbusters. Yeah. So I, I just kind of, it's like I'm tired of seeing that. Yeah. But if you could show me these characters fighting and then deciding that they have an honor amongst themselves, which it does have that arc, okay. Uh, my and the criticisms of Harley Quinn is if, if you watch it carefully, there are a lot of flashes of reminding us that she was Doctor Harleen Quinzel because right. she's using psychology against the rest of the team. She may be ridiculously oversexed, but there's no point except maybe when the Joker's in the picture where I didn't think she was. In I'm control. using I'm using too many double negatives here. I always thought she was in in control that she was using sexuality because she knew exactly how effective right, it would right, be right, at manipulating right. people. So, I I that part I liked. I just went. I've that's how I've gotten as far as I have in life. So I can respect. <laughs> is your se- is using your sexuality as a weapon? Raw sexuality. That's right. Uh, and a baseball bat. Well, and, and a baseball bat. And when you're in that in that uh, in that Zoidberg suit, man, all the tentacles. It's yeah. It's it's hot. I understand. Yeah. Literally, literally really hot. Yeah. <laughs> I would imagine so. That was, you know, I'm going to say that was a disappointment in Suicide Squad, not the lack of tentacles, but that, yeah, because Andy just referenced the baseball bat, which she uses throughout most of the film, but that she picked up the mallet. I'm like, come on, that's fun and different, you know. Right, right. And that would have been the nod. There's all the nods are there. They even had, did that Alex Ross painting for Mad Love. Yes. Uh, you know, so it suffered again. Many, uh, some of the weakest points were recreating panels and images from comics that the average moviegoer would not find as iconic as we do. And when it started just noodling around and telling its own story with these characters, it you know, again, the story sucked, but the characters were fun. So you know, I, I, I think I want to come back and say the Jared Leto, Leto Joker. Um, I, could watch, I could watch just a Joker movie. I with that. I liked what they did with the tattoo, with the uh, with the grin, the hand on his hand, and he put it on other people too. Yes, and yes. that was disturbing. That was a cool. That was a cool kind of thing. But I, you know, I don't necessarily. I don't need to see a Suicide Squad too. But no. I would be happy to see Deadshot show up in Batman. I would be happy to see Captain Boomerang, who they would not call Captain Boom. Well, they call Captain Boomerang, but no publicity calls him Captain. He's always 
boomerang. Yeah. Um, until I'm sure that some Disney lawyer will realize, wait a minute, we have a villain called Boomerang, <laughs> and then that'll be over. Uh, but uh, I would love to see Captain Boomerang in the Flash movie. Yeah. I even like the Croc and the Killer Croc, Killer Croc great, was, great Killer Croc. Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't, I didn't buy the. We've got to move the bomb underneath where we want you to position the oh, big well, bag. Yeah, not to have spoilers for people, but yeah, no, I know. And and there's another flaw, but it, we'll talk about that off the air because yeah. if it, if people haven't seen it, I don't want to ruin it. But I do want to say I, another thing is I loved the six issue miniseries of that version of El Diablo. Uh huh. And DC's never done anything else with that character. And the fact that they made that character into a major one for Suicide Squad was just so like, wow, that's a great, it's a great choice. It's very at odds with the rest of them. Uh, and again, establishes something very different yeah. for the DC universe on film. And I I really liked it. I really liked that usage of him. So it, Very much the, the Phoenix type character in the way that I wish that uh, the X-Men had tried to deal with the phoenix instead of oh don't worry they're gonna do it again i mean now that the timeline's been completely rewritten don't worry once we get <sighs> once we get past that mr sinister kerfuffle that will be the next one yeah um oh, i hope not let's go to television shall we i like tv unless you have something else to say about movies uh andy oh yeah uh great popcorn price is too high damn kids <laughs> <laughs> no absolutely I, rude people i am gonna throw in, in movie wise a very interesting thing a kind of end of summer not a blockbuster but i saw pete's dragon last night and the the thing that impressed that impressed itself upon me i'm not still not 100 percent positive that i'm super impressed by the film but but it's a but that it's actually small it's a story even with the special effect of this dragon that it's a story about a boy and his dragon. The world is not at stake. And oh, he, thank God! No, no, you know. But it really was like I was halfway through this, going, "Wait a minute! It's not going to get any bigger in its stakes right. than this." The dragon. It's been so long since I've seen a movie. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, the dragon's revealed to be the first harbinger of hell. The air force is going to bomb the theater, the uh, forest, any minute. You know, no, it just it yeah. just stayed small and quiet. And uh, there was some beauty to it, and you know, and, and and it was weird to realize where's the bombast, and there just isn't. And I'm like, oh, oh. good, kids need to have a movie that isn't going to trigger their their hypersensitivity. You know, it's just like, oh, it's 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 gentle, and 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 it was it was PG, and I was like, wait a minute, there's no 13 at the end. Where was the nudity? Uh, you know, <laughs> or, or the swear well, words? The dragon wearing right? pants. The dra- no, the dragon is. It's not Fin Fang Foom. Uh, the dragon. No, Elliot is not wearing pants. You're oh. quite right. You're 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 quite right. But so it, Howard the Duck thing. Disney has problems. Uh, oh man. Yeah. Well, see now there's a legal issue with that. They think now that Howard can take his pants off because Disney owns it. Of course he could take his pants off. Well, I mean Donald doesn't wear pants. One leg at a time. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess they are like. Uh, so let's move to television, and that is that uh, there was an announcement from George R. R. Martin this, this week. This is cool. Uh, not that he's finishing the Song of Ice and Fire books. That would uh, be cool too. It's not going to happen <laughs> ever. Uh, I don't care. I, as long as the series wraps up, I'm fine. Uh, but he announced that Wild Cards is coming to television. Uh, which is a series of, I think, the official title or the official term originally was like a mosaic novel. Yes. Um, and for those, I know we. Well, they've been they've, they've been they've done mosaic novels where multiple people have written on a single novel, but it's a shared universe. 
Right. The first few books were short stories tied right. together. Oh, there have been many, and many then, books. And then they started. Stories. Well, I've stopped. And this is embarrassing. Uh, you know, I think I read up till the 11th book. Yeah, they're when up I had the time 20s to, now. Oh, I know they are yeah. because uh, tomorrow night I'm going to talk to one of the writers. Ah. So uh, because San Jose writer Kevin Andrew Murphy has created a character for, for the series, Wild Cards, which is uh, in the first volume, Aces High, I think it yes. was. Uh, that this shared universe based on a role playing game. I don't even. I I didn't hadn't even been aware no, that that it had was, been. I've forgotten the name of it. It was one actually I've played a session of. It came out before Champions came out. Okay, so uh, that basically the idea was in the forties. This alien race wants to experiment with a bioweapon, and they they want to ex- they want to experiment with it on humans. So uh, it gets falls in the hands of of a former Nazi evil scientist who ends up, it, it blows up over Manhattan. And uh, it's kind of like the mutant thing, really, is that if you are infected by this alien virus, you either get an ace, which gives you superpowers, you get a, a trump, or <laughs> you get a trump, and, and, the, and the entire country comes to an end. Right. Uh, or, Huge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you get Thank a joker. The, that's right. I'm sorry. That's it. You get you draw You draw the ace, the Joker, which gives you a deformity, which can sometimes have a power associated with it. Right. Or you get the Black Queen. And if you draw the Black Queen, you die immediately. Right. And I think 90% of those infected draw the Black Queen. So that, hence the name Wild Cards. But basically it's, it becomes this alternate history of of these characters moving Starting forward. Starting in the 40s. In the 40s. It's yeah. 46 because Jet Boy, who yeah. is basically Air Boy, is the first. Uh, he doesn't. He's the non-powered, and then the turtle, and the 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 mighty turtle man. That's one of my one of my favorite characters out, out of that series. Um, George R. R. Martin did say the one that I think was Robert Silverberg created, uh, Croyd Croyd Crenson, the sleeper, um, is going to definitely be a character in there, um, so that he'll be recurring. To the, I think this is a perfect. Oh, that's a very old quote too, by the way. I think he had no, no, no. This, this was is, no, it was a new fresh one. Okay, in the, I think it was an Esquire article. The um, the cool thing about this, as a, uh, to be adapted to TV series, it, it's perfect for the way television is working uh, right now. Is you could really do an anthology television series. One season could be. Like oh, it's a documentary about the history of oh yeah of the wild cards and a second you know just do ten episodes and then another season could be I think this is tentatively planned for sci-fi but I'm not positive um, but very excited about that and what's going to happen is if they use the and this is for the writers' rights is that if they use a character you created right at you like either of us at this table created one but any of the contributing writers any of the contributing writers they use your character. I'm rolling up a couple characters right now. I'm okay, all the royalties go into a big pot. Getting the call, here. and they're going to divide up evenly by how many share, you know, how many characters you contributed to the TV series. Cool. So it's a really, you know, which I think George R. R. Martin has always edited this as a in a very egalitarian way. They'll probably have to. They'll probably continue the main theme, which is if you, if somebody wanted, to, if the writer wanted to use one of your characters, you had to agree with what was yeah. going to happen to him in mm-hmm. your story, which was. Yeah. And I know they've they've played with trying to make a movie out of it. They've there's been TV talk before, but I think yeah. this is going to be serious because now Hollywood wants a piece of of George R. R. Martin, and if they can't get Game of Thrones, they want you know a network's dying to get some other series he's got. So there are many volumes. Um, 
We should probably link to them all on Amazon because some of them are harder to find than others. Yeah, there are but it's going to be a great show. It's, I, I, I'm, I shouldn't say it's going to be a great show. I have high hopes for it as a series. Better than Heroes and Heroes Reborn and Heroes Redux. Um, it's really Redo, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I always pronounce it in my head as of Redux. Of course you do. Well, cause it's we all do. It's like saying Dark Seed. Uh, so uh, Disney announced today that um, you remember how we all scrambled to buy those special editions at Target for Star Wars: The Force Awakens? Uh, there, there, there's another. You mean the how, cardboard how one that we all agreed was a piece of? Uh, yeah, yeah. Th- there is another edition coming with with the extra footage the added back, edited again. back in. Yes, the Super Tiger Platinum Edition in 3D but of it, the Force but Awakens. Will it be a steel box? Oh, I'm sure there will be a steel box. Okay. Are Are you into steel boxes, Andy? Oh God! I can't get enough steel boxes. <laughs> I'm just tr- I'm just going through in my head when I was lining up to get that special edition of Star Wars. Man, it was so good. <laughs> that stuff they added just blew my mind. What was that? Archie did something in it. Huh? Ar- Archie? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. yes. They went to Riverdale after <laughs> oh, leaving. <my> God. <laughs> <laughs> Even the force wasn't going to help Jughead eat those burgers. Oh my was... god! Have you seen the poster, Rick, for 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 Riverdale, the CW series coming? No, I've not. So oh apparently, yes, there's the grim and gritty Archie. No, you can't make fun of anything anymore because it's true. Wow! And they're producing this dark ver- vision of Archie comics for CW, w- in which it begins with a murder. The first season is solving the murder of who killed some teen in the lake outside of Riverdale. Wow. And because that's what the CW producer basically said, if you want to turn this into a TV series, you got to add a murder for the teens to come back each week. I was going to say Archie's standing in a hill looking down into burning Riverdale. Yeah. Yeah. It's some jackass from uh, from a pretty little liar's like, hey, I got an idea. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Archie Andrews, Reggie, we got ourselves a movie. What I'm hoping is this means that they'll, they'll revive that old TV movie, the, the Back to Riverdale, which covered them in middle age. Uh, oh, that was a horrible piece of cinema. Wow. Yeah, I think I have it on a VHS somewhere. Um, <laughs> and steel box? What steel box? Steel box? There's not a steel box for it. Oh. Sorry. Wow. No, yeah, you're you're mocking this, but there really is like this huge. <laughs> you, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. Have you ever got, seen a steel box? Because I've never seen one in nature myself. I, not yet, not yet. But so they're Oh, 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 Rick has one. What? No, no, no. That's a big steel. That's not what they're talking about with a steel box. That's a that's a tin. The Superman? Yeah, but that's a that's a box set. No, a steel box is an individual DVD with a in a steel. Or really, you're right. It is tin, but a tin case that is oh. it, it is released in limited editions, and there are websites where people trade them and they sell for like hundreds of dollars. Oh, okay. Over the over like the worst, uh, if you can imagine hundreds of dollars. If, if you can imagine like the steel box of uh, I'm, I'm, something's got to give. Uh, no, no, that was probably a decent movie. Judge yeah. Dredd. Oh, Judge Dredd, not Dredd, right? right? Dredd the solid, the right? Stallone one. Yes, yeah. that would be. Yes, that would. You're right. That would be it. Um, so, uh, anyway, it, it, it's quite a, quite a thing. Um, and yet, you know, some of them are like they are cool. The Guardians of the Galaxy steel box I've heard looks really cool. But I don't know why I would need a steel box. So, but then I have action figures, so I can't judge anybody for their collections of anything. We don't judge here. We we try not to. Um, so uh, they tweeted for Legends of Tomorrow a picture of the JSA table. So we're very excited that all things moving forward with DC. 
Supergirl is uh, season two ramming forward. I don't know why this was actually news, but it was a big thing. It's like, oh, the plot of the season two is going to be they're going to search for Cadmus Labs. And how many people know recognize Cadmus Labs as, as? Well, the other thing is the end of season besides us and the end of season one. They said, you know what we're going to do next season? We're going to. I mean, didn't say next season, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to search for Cadmus Labs. So I, it's not a surprise, right? The big surprise was the horrible. And I got to debunk one this week. Did you see the picture of Superman where it said? Okay, this is where it's going to get a little blue. I think we're going to we're going to reawaken Andy's interest in being on this podcast. Is somebody did this beautiful picture of I can't remember the name of the guy. This Tyler Hecklin, okay, uh, who is Superman for Supergirl season two. Right, he was on Teen Wolf. He looks a little too wolfish for me to be Superman. It's like there's something a little skeevy about him. But they had this great pose of him in, in the streets of Metropolis, like landing. Yeah, and then at the bottom, uh, the original text said. Uh, uh, Superman is coming to two. This is the preposition is the important thing is coming to Supergirl season two on on the CW. Before they ever released that image, somebody got a hold of it and photoshopped it and changed the two into an in. And so that's what went viral on the internet, thinking that some poor schmo was going to get fired from the CW for doing the most inappropriate uh, publicity. And just to try to save our all ages rating on iTunes, I'm going to let you piece together what that sentence then said. Um, I am appalled. You know what? But the horrible thing was when I they're thought co- it was are real. Are they cousins? Yes, they are. Yes. Uh, so, uh, but she, you know, I'm not even going to make a hillbilly joke. Uh, wait, I guess, I guess if they're trying to repopulate the Kryptonian people, though, you got to take one for the team. Genetics works different on Krypton. Yeah, the horrible thing for me was well, that, I for, that I forgot about that. The horrible, horrible thing for me about being appalled was that what f- what initially appalled me was not the preposition mistake, but that everybody joking about it. When my argument back to them is like, even if the guy had, had purposely done that wrong preposition, that's not how you spell the verb. If that's what you yes. mean, no. And so, <laughs> but the people who are amused by this are the are the ones that failed spelling in I, elementary school. Wow. But but come on, I think it's wrong of me to have jumped to that. It's like I'm Terrible. not. So, I'm offended at your at your misspelling that more than your preposition. Right. My my problem with you with, split the infinitive and just ruined my day. Yes, God. absolutely. I, I, my problem with him is he's too young. I I, want, I did think he that he needs too. to be more of a father figure to her than than a than a hot, especially since older they've cousin. established her as twenty six. Yeah. You know, and the whole thing is she was found in the spaceship at 12 and and he was established enough to he was already Superman when he found her in the capsule. But, you know, that's CW casting. They had to they had to cast someone who was, you know, going to bring the the going to sell those posters. Absolutely. With the correct text on it. (laughs) We shall see. Well, that pretty much wraps us up this week. Uh, I want to thank uh, Nate for coming in uh, and joining us, and most especially for, for sticking with this entire podcast. Uh, Andy Klimsack, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. I learned a lot. I got a lot of things to go up and read up on now. A lot of stuff. You don't have to placate it. Well, if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna, you go back no, to the Fanboy Planet website and find the podcast, there and there'll be go. links to all the tangible products. commodities, uh, tangible the tangible commodities. commodities. That's right. Yes. No, this is really cool having you on, and thank you. And and uh, you know, I I do hope you had at least fun. Uh, oh, it was a pleasure. Thank God for Scotch. I did. I did have a. I had a great time. <laughs> 
good. I have to drive, so I couldn't take advantage of that. But I'm sure oh, I'm sure it was good scotch. I'm sure it Absolutely. was. Absolutely. So uh, thank you. And again, it's uh, Fanorama. What's the website for that? Fanorama.com? It's yeah. I think it's uh, it's hyphenated fan hyphen o dash rama dot com. So okay. just to get it exactly right. And you can also find it at cinema dash relics dot com. We're on Cinema Relics, and we're on you know the facial book and the inner tube and uh, Instagrammies. This and is all true. You can stuff. just go to you can just go to YouTube and type in Fanorama, or more importantly, if you just want to watch the video, go to Fanboy Planet, and it's right there. You know, that's so, your homepage anyway, right? Yes, FanboyPlanet.com. Fanboy Planet's everyone's homepage, so there you go. Start I, there. Well, I know why it's mine. I would love to hear from somebody uh, to write to editor at fanboyplanet.com if it is your homepage because that that's just that'll make my night. But uh, anyway, that's that. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening so far. We will be. Um, We've got some interesting episodes coming up. We're doing some more piecemeal with with interviews. Uh, n- next week, also, we'll drop the car, uh, the annual conversation with Car D'Angelo, CarCast 2016, talking about the state of comics post Comic Con and, and the state of movies, comic book movies post Comic Con. All right. So once again, thank you, Andy. Uh, I'm Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers only for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use, use your powers, powers only for good. We should have cued you so that you would have known that, but, you know, it's a... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for everything, guys. <laughs> Thank Feel you free. so much. Thanks for being on, Andy. Yeah. Best of luck. We'll, ta- we'll talk easy. to you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.